Hello everyone and welcome to episode number 73 of the Building Strength Podcast. I'm your host, Theo Lim, and welcome back. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. On the Building Strength Podcast, we talk about anything and everything related to building strength both inside of the gym and, more importantly, outside of the gym. So, for today's episode, we're going to be talking about the in-gym stuff. We're going to be talking training, okay? I got a great question from Anth. He asked me, how has programming changed for me as I've transitioned from using mainly barbells to mainly kettlebells? So, it's going to be a great going to be a great episode. I've got some good stuff for you. Excited to talk training again because the last episodes, the last couple episodes have been more on life stuff and outside of the gym stuff. But let's bring it back. Let's bring it back to the roots. You know? Let's talk training. So, before I jump in, I just want to let it be known that if you're in Toronto and you're looking to work with me or you need some help with maybe your technique or you just want to learn how to strength train effectively, if you are in Toronto, I offer in-person coaching. I do one-on-one coaching as well as small group personal training. And if you don't live in Toronto, but you kind of like my style, you like the way I do things, you want to learn how to do that for yourself, I offer online coaching, which is a 12-week customized program, whether you want to work with mainly barbells, dumbbells, body weight, kettlebells, doesn't matter, we'll take what equipment you have, figure out what kind of goals you're looking to work towards, and I'll make a program for you so that you can work towards those goals. So just wanted to let you guys know that the in-person coaching in Toronto and the online coaching is going strong. So hit your boy up. I'll leave a link in the show notes, but my website is www.theodorelim.ca. If you want to check out my Instagram, it's at theodore.lim. So let's jump in. Anth asked me, he hit me up, he asked me, how has programming changed as I've transitioned from using barbells to kettlebells? Awesome question, really love it. I hit up Anth, I messaged him after, kind of wanting to get more background information about him, just so I could see like what his experience is like with lifting, what he was maybe trying to figure out so i asked him and then he said he's been lifting 10 plus years but the gym has been a bit uninspiring lately and he is looking to freshen things up so he also went on to say that he purchased a kettlebell off of amazon because he had a gift card laying around and he has been trying simple and sinister he goes on to say that he's just wondering how to program for things because kettlebells are so full body 
and he's used to using classic bodybuilding splits. If you're not aware of what a classic bodybuilding split might look like, it might be like push-pull legs. It could be upper-lower, upper-lower. It could maybe even be like uh, chest and biceps, back and triceps, and then legs and shoulders, something like that. So he's used to that kind of style of training, which is great because when I asked him and he told me this, I said, okay, so basically you're on a similar trajectory as I am because I also have been lifting 10 plus years. I also came from this bodybuilding slash powerlifting background. So I've done all of those splits as well. So how has training or how has programming changed? You know what? Not a lot has changed. The, the tool has changed. I am using mostly kettlebells right now. And it doesn't mean that I have anything against barbells. I'm just not doing that right now. So the tool has changed for the moment. But this is the important thing right here. The principles remain the same. So the tool has changed, but the principles remain the same. And the overlying principle of strength training, of anything really, is that over time, over the course of weeks and months and years, we should be in some way getting better. We should be improving. So the term that is commonly used for this is that progressive overload is the overlying principle or the underlying principle. So progressive overload is exactly what I just said. Over the course of weeks, months, years, decades, we should be getting better in some way. We should either be lifting with better technique, we should be maybe lifting more weight, lifting the same weight for more reps, doing more work in the same amount of time. And that is where keeping a training log comes into play, right? So again, I think this is the biggest thing. Like I haven't changed, like I've changed a lot in terms of what exercises I'm doing, what I'm focusing on, how I'm working out, how I'm training. But the the underlying principle is still, okay, I need to get better over the course of weeks and months and years. Because if I'm not getting better, if we're not getting better, then what are we really doing, right? It's like showing up to the gym and lifting the same weight every single time, every single day for a week, for a month, for a year, right? You don't want to be doing that. If you were able to lift 20 pounds a year ago, and right now you're still lifting 20 pounds, something's not right. Whether it's your program, whether you're not recovering well enough, so through your food, through your hydration, through your sleep, something has to change if that's the case, right? So I think it's, a, it's easy to think that a lot has changed, but really the exercises have changed, the equipment has changed, but the main thing that is still the driving factor is like, okay, are, am I getting better? Am I getting stronger? Do I feel good, right? So 
And then in terms of, okay, let's really, that's kind of my, I want to preface it with that, that the tools have changed, but the principle remains the same. And then let's move past that now and actually address this question. How has programming changed? So with barbell training, I've followed a lot of programs over the last 10 years. Most notably, I followed like the classic five, uh, three by five starting strength. I followed five by five mad cows. I followed 531 by Jim Wendler. I followed West Side for Skinny Bastards by Joe D, Joe DeFranco. What else? I followed a lot. I've done upper lower splits. I've done body part splits, but I don't have a ton of experience doing that. I never got too into it. But upper lower I've done. Um, then cowboy method for the squat, which was amazing. But yeah, I just wrote all that down. I'd say those are my six main program experiences over the last 10 years. So for all of you guys out there, for anyone who maybe you just started training, you just started lifting weights, you just started going to the gym. Maybe you're a coach or an aspiring coach and you're kind of just trying to get into the industry, trying to get your first couple of clients. Or maybe you just, you're just lifting for yourself. You've been lifting for a long time. Maybe you've seen progress, maybe you haven't. My number one recommendation is that you need to keep a training log. Because as I said, the underlying principle with all of this is that we need, to ge we need to be getting better in some way. So over the course of weeks, months, and years, we need to be getting better. And if we're not writing down the weights we're lifting for how many reps, how many sets, then we're not really tracking our progress, right? And there's the saying, what gets measured gets managed. So if you're measuring your progress, how much weight you're lifting, Last week, maybe you came in, you lifted 100 pounds. Next week, maybe if you're feeling good about it, maybe you try lift 101 or 102 pounds, right? It's It doesn't have to be a lot, like progress from week to week. When you're just starting out, it might be a lot. When you're just starting out, the, you're going to get a lot stronger very quickly. But if you're like me, you've been lifting for a while now, the progress becomes incrementally smaller, which is okay. It just takes longer. So I highly recommend keeping a workout log for that reason, because you need to be able to look back and see your progress. See like, okay, look, I was able to do 10 push-ups three weeks ago, and now I'm able to do 15. I'm doing something right. Let's keep going. On the other hand, last year I was able to do 10 push-ups. Right now I'm only able to do seven. What's going on? There might be good reasons for that. Maybe you got injured or maybe you took some time off. 
But either way, these things are very helpful to know. And then I mentioned for those aspiring coaches out there, shout outs to John. This is for you right here. I'm going to send this episode to you and hopefully it will be helpful. But I get a lot of questions from aspiring coaches about how I go about programming for clients. And look, I've only been coaching people for four years. I'm not, I'm, I'm just getting started. I, you know, and everything I know is because I followed programs in the past. I followed programs written by people who were more experienced than I was. Like these programs that I listed out, Jim Wendler, Joe DeFranco, Paul Carter, and Dave Tate. These guys have been lifting for like 30, 40 years. They've been coaching people for 20 plus years. Of course, I'm going to follow their program. Here's where the gold comes in though. Here's where the training program, come, training log comes in. So you follow the program to a T for at least 8 to 12 weeks. You log every single thing you're doing, every exercise, weights, reps, sets. And you see when you follow something for 8 to 12 weeks, you will see whether you make progress or not. And now here's the beauty of it. If you make progress on certain kinds of programs, maybe certain exercises, maybe the way the rep schemes are set up, you know, there are all these so many, so many nuances. But if you follow it, you track it, and you see progress, then it's like, oh shit, that worked really well when I was trying to bring my squat up. Or, oh crap, that kind of setup works really well for someone who just came back from an injury. Or this works really well for a straight up beginner. And then now, as you start to coach more people, you get more experience. Then it's like, okay, this person's here right now. This program I've done in the past might be a good fit for them. And then as you continue doing that, you continue following more programs for yourself. You continue writing programs for other people. Then here's the beauty of it. Right now at this point in time, most of my programming for other people is like, I'm taking a bit of this from this program because it was really good. I'm taking a bit of this from that program. I'm taking a bit of this and then I'm also putting in my own thing because now I have an idea of what I think works well, right? So then you're taking bits and pieces from all these experts while becoming an expert yourself and then boom, now you can write effective programs. And again, it just comes down to experience and time, putting the time in, putting the work in to actually A, follow the program and do it, and then B, reflecting on the program and understanding how you can use these things for other people, right? So I highly, highly recommend keeping a training log. Like when, when, when new trainers are asking me questions and I'm like, okay, but do you keep a training log for yourself? Do you even follow a program for yourself? Like, how are you going to write a program for someone when you don't even follow a program yourself? Like, that's the, it's like me trying to teach someone how to cook, but I don't even cook, 
right? So number one thing out there, but for everyone, this doesn't just apply to trainers. If you plan to be active for the rest of your life, you like lifting weights, you plan to lift weights forever, you might as well learn how to do it well and how to make it effective, right? Because lifting weights, but anything in life requires two of our biggest assets. Number one, that's our time. And number two, that's our energy. And working out, going to the gym definitely requires a lot of time, but it definitely requires a lot of energy. So if you're going to put, you're going to invest your time and energy, you might as well get good at it and do it well, right? So number one, keep a training log. I don't know why I said number one, because I'm not even listing anything, but the main thing, keep a training log. It will be super helpful. And then let me get off that tangent. So how, back to Ant's question. Okay. How has training changed for me? As I said, it really hasn't. I still am trying to get stronger, focusing on mobility so I stay healthy, pain-free, focusing on eating good food so I fuel my gains in the gym, focusing on staying hydrated, and focusing on sleeping well. And then you know what? All of my kettlebell experience right now, I've been following programs written by people with more experience than me. So the first program I did was the one you mentioned, Simple and Sinister. Love it. Love that program. Learned a lot. I'll do it. I'll go back to it forever. It's so, it's so minimalistic, so effective. My kind of jam. If you're like me, you like the minimum effective dose. You like a simple program, two, three, four exercises max. Simple and Sinister is awesome. And then I have also tried, I think I've only tried three or four kettlebell programs at this point in time. Simple and Sinister being one of them. Number two, I tried the 10,000 kettlebell swing challenge, which is really 500 swings for 20 days. And you do that over a course of a month. And that was my ex first experience doing like a ladder style training. So what happened is one set is really you do 10 reps, you rest. You do 15 reps, you rest. You do 25 reps, you rest. And then you do 50 reps and then you rest. So 10 plus 15 is 25 plus 25 is 50, plus 50 is 100. So it's 500 swings a day. So you do five sets like that. That was my first experience doing the ladder style training. So like maybe 10 and 15, you do it at a heavier weight. 25, 50, you definitely have to do it at a lighter weight. I enjoyed that a lot. I use, the, I use ladders like that a lot now, not just for swings, but for pull-ups, for push-ups, uh, chin-ups, lots of stuff. You can, and again, look, I, I wouldn't know this if I didn't try it. I didn't write it down and it's like, oh shit, this is a neat, this is a neat setup. And then it's like, 
now as you spend more time in the gym, you can kind of be like, oh crap, that thing I did way back then, that would work really well right now. Or that would be a that would be fun to do. Or this person would benefit from doing something like this. So again, that's where following programs written by other people is important. And then number two, keeping a training log. And you know what? I'll tell you this. I have in the past tried to write my own program. I, you know, like from scratch. And I do. I'm not saying it's wrong, but I find that I don't know. I I always get a bit stuck. So I always end up going back to like, okay, let me just take bits and pieces. But number one, uh, like big thing here, don't just start taking bits and pieces from other programs just because you like the way it looks. You have to follow a program for at least, at least eight weeks to the T because if you make any changes, you're not really following that program. Follow the program to a T for at least eight weeks, if not 12. And then from there, you can start taking bits and pieces. But you have to kind of follow it as it's written. And then over time, you can make necessary adjustments. So I did the 10,000 kettlebell swing challenge. That was fun. That brought up my conditioning a lot. So again, now I'm like, because sets of 50 at a heavy weight like that gets your that gets your heart going so for me now anytime i need to be in better condition than i am in now i already have a default program i'm gonna do 500 swings a day and at the end of the month at the end of you already feel it like two three weeks in at the end of the month i will be in much better aerobic condition than i am now and it's like simple and sinister Maybe when life gets a little busier for me, my work life, my personal life, maybe just shit's going on, but I still want to train, right? Maybe I'll do simple and sinister because it's so, it's just like a minimum effective dose workout. Like it's not too taxing. It doesn't take a lot of time, but you still get all of the benefits of exercise or training that I'm looking for, right? So Simple and sinister right there. Big ones, simple and sinister and 10,000 swing challenge. And on top of that, I followed two other programs. First one is the, it was the strong first prep guide for the level one certification that I did. So it was written by Brett Jones, one of the strong first, I think like master instructors. It's on the Strong First website. I followed that for a little bit. And that was good too. That taught me how to like do more kettlebell circuits, how to put that stuff together. And so again, I learned a few lessons. Lesson number one, I learned that training five days a week for me is really tough and usually not doable. Personally, I always find this is one thing that I've learned about programs. Anytime a program was five days, it just never worked for me. I just don't like, it's not that I don't like training five days. It's like, it's almost too much for my body and my mind. Like I don't want to lift five days a week. 
I currently train four days a week. I lift four days a week, but I also do Muay Thai one day a week. So in that way, I'm training five days, but I'm not lifting five days. So that's one of those lessons that I've learned over the last few, over the last 10 years is like four days lifting is my personal limit. So now when I see a program that's five days a week, I'm like, fuck, I'll try it. But it usually doesn't go well. A couple weeks in, I'm like, this is too much for me. So that's a really good, the SFG prep guide. I'll link that below. That was really cool. That was a good learning opportunity for me. I learned how to put circuits together. That was cool. And then right now, the program I'm doing right now, it's called Rite of Passage. It's in the book, Enter the Kettlebell by Pavel Satsulin. So Rite of Passage is a program that's focused on the single arm kettlebell press, shoulder press. So you're pressing the kettlebell over your head. So I'm focusing on that and I'm focused on pull-ups right now. Those are kind of the main priorities. And of course I'm swinging and I'm snatching for like endurance for conditioning and doing a lot of get-ups just to make sure my shoulder is healthy. So again, I've, I've been doing kettlebells for about two years and over this time, I followed four different programs now. Um, and you know what? I've learned a lot in terms of going back to your original question. How have I transitioned? Not like, as you can see, not a lot. Like I'm still doing the same thing, just following programs written by people who have more experience than me, executing on those programs, tracking my results from those programs. And then slowly I can start taking little bits and pieces from each one and apply it to both myself and my clients. So I hope that was helpful. I, I feel like maybe you might have expected something different, but really it's just like follow a program that you gravitate towards works for your lifestyle. It's realistic for you to do. You can sustainably, you can do it. You can sustain it for weeks and months so that you can actually see the fruits of your labor. I think that's super important. Um, yeah, in terms of, let's roll into some really quick, I always get asked, why kettlebells? Why kettlebells? Number one, it's been really fun to learn something new. And just like you, Anth, you said you've been lifting for 10 years maybe things have gotten a little stale. For me, I think it was a combination of things getting a little bit stale with like straight power lifting or power building. It's still fun. I still enjoy it. Just I don't want to do that all the time right now. Like I'm not super excited about doing that. Like I'm, I'm not in a mode right now where going to do barbell deadlifts and barbell squats is like exciting for me. And if it's not exciting for you, you're going to there the chances of you doing it are lower, right? And then if you if that's the case, then the chances of you making progress will be lower. So really I've been encouraging 
both my clients or people who talk to me about this kind of stuff is like, kind of, what are you gravitating towards right now? What do you want to improve right now? Do you want to improve your pull-ups? Do you want to improve like your squat or your deadlift? Or, or maybe you don't have anything specific. But if you do, you should look, go and research, look for programs that are built around that thing and execute on it and kind of chase those goals that you're after. Because I guarantee like if you're excited about what you're doing, you're going to put more effort into it. You're going to want to show up and get the work in, right? And at the end of the day, that's that's all it is. Just like show up, get the work in, do do the work. And of course, not just working hard for the sake of working hard, but you want to do it in an effective manner, right? You want to work hard. I, I don't talk about hard work a lot. I talk about technique a lot. I talk about movement, strength training, doing things effectively, efficiently. But for me, hard work is the standard. Like, yes, it's good to do things well and to do things to the best technique possible. But at the end of the day, if you're not working hard, then what are we really doing, right? So... So in terms of kettlebells, it's like, it was fun. It's, it is fun. It's a new stimulus for me. I have lots to learn. Um, and you know what? My body is, is feeling good from the kettlebell work. It's just the way the kettlebells are made. It's like you, you can conform your body to whatever that kettlebell is doing. Like there's space to move versus a barbell you're kind of fixed. You have to conform to the way the barbell is made. Just like if I were to use machines. Machines are great. I love them. But it's actually like, I know a, big, a lot of beginners gravitate towards machines because it's less intimidating. But machines are probably more challenging than free weights because you really have to like understand how to position yourself, how to adjust the machine so it's like just the right settings for you like the seat height or you know where the arms are to actually get a good like uh, get a good training effect from the machines right so I just find with kettlebells it's just been super friendly on my joints and of course I'm doing a better job taking care of my joints too I can't say that I don't want to mislead people and say like the kettlebells are why I'm making the gains that I'm making over the last two years. They're a part of the reason, but the main, I'd say the main parts are, it's not the kettlebells. It's the fact that I'm excited about the kettlebells. It's the fact that I'm prioritizing eating better. It's the fact that I'm prioritizing sleeping a little better, right? It's those things that are driving my progress. It's not, it's never going to be the tool itself. It's going to be how you use the tool. So of course, like if you're, if you're unsure how to do things in the gym, then yeah, learning how to do things effectively and efficiently and safely will help you progress. But let's say you already know how to do that. Let's say you're, you're at a level where you have good technique on most things. And then 
then it comes down to like, okay, what do you gravitate towards? What are you, what do you want to do? So this is something I'm realizing about my training in terms of my training business, training clients. So I train a lot of people in person now. I train people one-on-one. I train people in a small group. And I, I like to show the basics. I'm all about the basics. We're going to come in. We're squatting. We're doing some kind of hinging, like deadlifts or swings. We're doing some kind of lunging. And then for upper body, we're pushing, we're pulling. And for general health, for the core strength, we're rotating. Those are my big six. And for me, I'm just, my goal is just to show everyone how to perform all of those things with the best technique possible and start helping them get stronger at those things. Because I truly believe that if, because this is my experience, this is how I came up, but if if we really just focus on those basics, use those basics to learn how to create tension, how to control our body with or without weight, how to breathe appropriately, and then slowly while doing all this, building awareness of how our body feels, that's some powerful shit right there because now you've built such a good base that now you can go do other things without issues because now you learned how to create tension, you know how to breathe, you're aware of how the body should be moving and how it should be feeling, whether you're doing body weight squats or you're doing goblet squats or barbell back squats. It doesn't matter because if you know how to goblet squat really well, chances are when you get under the barbell, you're going to figure it out fairly quickly. Just like if someone knows how to kettlebell deadlift really well, when they go to do a barbell deadlift, it's not going to take them very long to figure it out. So for me, all about building the basics. And then from there, it's like, okay, now once you've built up your base, it's like, okay, what do you gravitate towards? Do you want to do more bodyweight training? Do you want to pursue more barbell training? Do you want to pursue more kettlebell stuff? For me, I don't think any of that, I don't think one is better than the other. I think they're all great. Every single piece of equipment, every training modality has its purpose. But the groundwork needs to be a very solid base level of strength, movement capacity, work capacity, and just overall awareness. Right? So in terms of, let's wrap it up here. In terms of like, how programming has changed from barbells to kettlebells. You know what? When I first read this question, I thought, oh shit, I have like, yeah, it's changed so much. I took some notes before I recorded this and I was like, oh shit, I only have two points and it really hasn't changed that much. So to sum it all up, the equipment that I'm currently using has changed, but the principles remain the same. And that is progressive overload, getting better in some way, shape or form over the course of weeks, months and years. And number two, in terms of programs, I told you, I haven't written any kettlebell programs for myself, but I've followed four different programs now. And 
highly encourage you guys to go out there. There's a lot of stuff on the internet. So if you're unsure about like what program to follow, hit me up. Maybe I can point you in the right direction. But maybe if you want more like actual customized coaching, you want that attention to detail and you want it customized for you and your goals and your equipment, I offer that as well. I do the online coaching. So hit me up. So let's leave it there. I hope this episode was helpful. Episode number 73, first one of February 2020. There will be a second one this month. So watch out for that. As always, if you guys have questions or specific topics you want me to address, best way to find me is at, on Instagram at theodore.lim. If you're not on Instagram, shoot me an email. www. Oh, that's not an email. <laughs> shoot me an email, theolim7 at gmail.com. What I meant to say was find me on my website, www.theodore.lim.ca. Hoo-wee. All right, deep breaths. Let me get my shit together here. One last thing I wanted to say. Follow your boy on YouTube. YouTube Theodore Lim. You'll see me. I'm putting out a little more long form video content on YouTube that I know you will enjoy. I just put out a, a video, two big tips for a Turkish, for a better Turkish getup. That was a really, Pretty happy with that. Pretty happy with that. how that turned out. So check that out. And until next time, peace.